of the Akpejo, a community of young people coming together to tell our stories about our relationship with Jesus Christ and grow together in Christ. We aim to have conversations that would help us grow and deepen our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Once again, thank you for joining. I'm your host, Nifemi. Today's more like an admonition, and like I said, uh, I'm not going to do a lot of question and answer because I don't even have a sense of what the questions, what the topic is about. I don't thoroughly understand it, but I have questions, um, okay. and it's not a right or wrong thing in the sense that I like, oh, you have to be right or you have to be wrong. It's that I always tell people that come on that it's mostly by the leading of the Holy Spirit. At the end of the day, there's someone that I know might not be tomorrow, maybe maybe next four years that God has proposed this for and everything has been set in motion. We are just literally walking into it. And so the aim is not to be right or to sound smart. Um, the aim is to just bless people. So no pressure. Um, just allow the Holy Spirit flow through you and um, and uh, bless us with what you have to say. So hello, hello. Welcome to the Blurry Line podcast. Um, my name is Nifemi. I'm your host. And I'm really, really excited about this one because we are slowly, slowly winding down to the end of season one. What a journey. What a wonderful journey. We've gone from the first time I said, welcome to the Blowing Line podcast with my friend, sometimes in April 2020, to today, where I'm saying it with a mic and so many equipment looking at me all around, and I'm like, wow, um, God has been grateful. But today I'm, I'm, I'm excited so much about the journey, about the faith, and also about the topic. But before I go ahead to introduce the topic, I would like the guest we have on the show today to please introduce himself and just give us some talking about himself. So over to you. Hello, everyone. Um, trust we are doing great. It has been a wonderful journey so far. And um, thank God for every episode of this um, podcast. I'm sure you must have been blessed um, so far. Um, my name is Damola Ajayi. I'm a young Christian, you know, been, been on this journey for a little while now. And um, I really like reading my Bible. Um, I've learned from reading my bible and from you know being in church you know to also like to pray you know and all that so basically uh, that's it that's it about me nothing nothing too fantastic it's so nice to have you damola i like the part where you say i like reading my bible i think like everyone should get to that point in their faith whereby you you enjoy actually reading the stories of christ and how the stories in the Bible can can erupt your faith, can help you see the things that God is showing you from those words. But you said something that I'm really, really proud of, and um, it's something that my heart's beat for. And I was thinking about it after you said it, like 100% of the people that have been on the podcast as guests have been really young people. And one of the things that my heart is so excited about is the way young people are now on fire for Christ. And it's not it's not watery. It's not um, them say they say. It's literally fire burning down for Christ and my heart beats so strongly for it because it means that we're not necessarily lost as the world might have said it means that there is there is a hope because the only thing Christ does is to give us hope he opens up the door for us and that hope is that 
we're no longer doing, we're no longer condemned. And so I'm so excited every time I get to speak to young people. And I'm, I'm really excited to having this conversation to you, with you rather. So today, um, we're going to be talking about something I found very interesting while I was reading my Bible. I enjoy reading my Bible too. So, um, but I didn't, I couldn't, I couldn't understand it. Like I couldn't understand the significance of this particular thing. And and I, I reached out to my friend that I need to speak to someone about it. I need to have a conversation to someone about the significance of this thing. And it's um Christian bread unleavened yeast. And I mean Christian, it's unleavened yeast. So bread that does not rise. Let's say it in um, the way we always say it's Christian life and yeast. You know, I've been reading a lot in the early chapters of the Bible from Genesis to around Numbers. And there's been so many parts of the Bible where God is reminding the Israelites about a particular thing. And he say, use bread that, use unleavened bread, use bread without yeast. In my head, I'm like, how does this relate to us as Christians? Like, what's the connection between unleavened bread and, and our Christian life, because it has to be really important for God not to mention it once, for my count, almost six times, and I'm not done counting. <laughs> and it's, my, it has to be really important to that point whereby God has to keep reminding them that for this particular thing you want to do, use unleavened bread. And so that's the basis of our conversation today, is to be able to just get a sense of what that means, of how it relates to our life. So my first, I was saying to Damola at the beginning of the conversation that it's going to be like an admonition, whereby Damola is literally breaking down the concept to, to me and every other person that, that might be listening to this some other time. But in order to make it easier for him, uh, I would um, just ease it into the conversation and ask him a two-fold question and he can go ahead and break down this concept for us. Is What is unleavened bread and what is the significance of that bread to our Christian life? Thank you very much, Nifemi. Uh, thank you for having me on this podcast. Um, I count it as a very great um, privilege to be able to share the word of God with you and with everyone that you know listens to or would listen to this podcast. I do not take it lightly at all. Every opportunity to share God's word is um, one that I take very seriously with much gratitude. So a very interesting topic, I must say, you know, when when I first got the message, I was taking aback that hmm, <laughs> unleavened bread, you know, like like um the the podcast um series you know describes blurry lines you know it really highlights it you know it's one aspect of scripture that i've not really you know heard or experienced like much conversation about you know within christian lines so um straight to it um i think the approach i'll be using you know as as i'm guided by the holy spirit is to as i answer you know, the, these questions that you posed, I'll just touch on some things about, you know, Bible reading and Bible study, and maybe a little about Bible interpretation, because that's something we can learn even as we go through this discussion. So the first question is, what is unleavened bread? One, one, one technique, you know, in Bible study is to start from the place that the particular matter you're trying to study or the particular word, you know, was first 
you know, mentioned. And um, if we go through scripture, it was mentioned as early as um, Genesis, you know, when um, the angels came to visit Abraham and what he served them was unleavened bread. You know, this, this was without any prior instruction, you know, it was voluntary. Abraham chose to serve them unleavened bread. And, you know, just by thinking about it a little, if it was called unleavened bread, then by interpretation, there must have been leavened bread because that's why it was called unleavened bread. So there must have been leavened bread. So Abraham chose unleavened bread instead. When we look at the Hebrew word for unleavened bread, you know, in that um, rendition is the word um, matzah, Matzo and um, what it connotes is something that is concretely sweet, like in itself, it is sweet and it is wholly sweet, you know, to give the sense that it has not been sour or bittered with yeast. You know, the interpretation is that when you use yeast, you know, it gives a different taste you know, to the bread. And even as we go on, we'll look at why that, you know, happens. So the, the Hebrew word in itself symbolizes that this bread is, in a sense, you know, pure, not 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 um, sad or bittered by another element, which is what is yeast, you know. And again, because of the action of yeast on the bread, you know, which is fermentation, we'll talk about that a little later, you know, again, it connotes that the bread is unfermented. So unfermented bread, unfermented cake or un unfermented loaf is what the Hebrew word matzo represents. So um, by straight definition, you know, when you say something is unleavened, you know, the prefix on is just, it's just um, says like something without leaven. So to further understand what and um, what unleavened bread is, we can look at what leaven itself is. Now, again, we'll use um, the law of first mention. The first time um, leaven was mentioned in scripture was in the book of Exodus, you know, Exodus chapter 12, verse 19. And it's the Hebrew word, seor, seor, you know, again, it's, it's, it's just, um, it's, it, it represents what, what they called yeast cake you know a compact um or will i say a compacting of yeast you know and this, this, is the, this is the very first time that it is clearly stated you know that it is yeast right so leaven is actually yeast and the word itself represents swelling by the art of fermentation which is what leaven actually does you know to the bread so i want to look at it in more detail so what does um, yeast, you know, do to the bread? From biology or integrated science for some people, we know what yeast is. Yeast is actually a living organism. It's a single cell organism and um, it feeds on sugar. And when it feeds on sugar, it gives off CO2, that's carbon dioxide, and ethanol, which is alcohol. Now, why do why do people use um, yeast, you know, in baking, you know, bread, cake, and all of that to make the dough rise? Now, it's not just for size alone, but it gives that fluffy feeling because without what happens when when um, 
the yeast digests the sugar in the bread is it releases CO2. CO2 is gas, you know, and whilst the gas is in the dough, it forms um, gaseous pockets like bubbles, you know, like holes in the bread. So where gas that is inside such that the bread is fluffy and soft. Without yeast, the bread is dense, sometimes hard. And that's why we have the expression breaking bread. The bread is actually breakable, you know. So that's that's what happens like without yeast. That's why yeast is used to, for some people, increase the size, for some people to make it fluffy, you know, which, which makes it easier to consume the bread. And it adds some kind of flavor to the bread also, a different kind of flavor. So depending on the type of yeast used, there are different species of yeast. Again, yeast is not a non-living thing. It's not like salt or sugar or something. Yeast is actually alive, you know. So it the CO2 and the alcohol it produces, you know, gives um, the bread or whatever pastry you're making some kind of flavor. Now, depending on the kind of yeast used or whether it is pure, by pure, I mean whether it is just purely yeast or there are some other bacteria involved, it could give a different kind of flavor and sometimes it could be even it could even make um the bread or the pastry a little sour and that's why um the hebrew word for unleavened bread actually connotes something that is sweet you know purely sweet because then i'm sure because of um, they did not have the purification techniques or the techniques for harvesting yeast like we have today um the yeast they would have would probably have some other bacteria or some other microorganisms that when when they use it in, in the bread it creates like um a sad taste or if you even use yeast alone and it is too much it produces a lot of um ethanol and can make it sour or even the yeast itself because when you use the yeast in the bread it grows it keeps multiplying and when it is too much you know it also gives off its taste so that 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 is like a rundown of what unleavened bread or what leaven is as it is in scripture but today i'll just like to note that the art of leavening in itself does not always have to include yeast leavening has now come to mean that just um a procedure where you make the bread you know fluffy you know kind of represents what the action of yeast was yeast was probably the first way that bread was you know made in that form you know to leaven the bread the first method was to use yeast but now we have um, chemicals we have baking powder or baking soda that effectively does the same thing you know um, when baking um, soda which is um, a carbonate of sodium um, NaHCO3 you know for those of us that are familiar with chemistry you know when it reacts with sugar it also creates uh, it also gives off um, co2 and ethanol so you can replace yeast with baking soda or, or baking powder which people do now and there are other techniques like using steam or air to also create that same effect of having air pockets within the bread to make it soft and fluffy so that's just an addendum so back to you know how it was in scripture now just as uh, Mifemi had said you know when, when we read through the the Torah the five books of Moses you know we hear a lot of unleavened bread and many of many of the times you know if you read in-depthly that unleavened bread was mentioned is either a repetition of um, a law that was stated earlier, maybe in the book of Exodus, the same law is rep repeated in Leviticus, Numbers, 
and trying to the same law is repeated. Or another reference, you know, reminding um, the children of Israel about, you know, that law. So we see it a lot of times. You know, the very first time we see it as a law is the Passover, which is the most prominent one. You know, when the children of Israel were leaving Egypt, you know. Now, on their journey out of Egypt, you know, we remember that um, they were to live in haste. And um, because they were living in haste, <laughs> the Bible describes it that they took their dough before it was leavened, you know, before they added yeast, you know, to it. So that, that's, that's the first time we see um, unleavened bread, you know, as a commandment for Israel. And it was instituted that after the Passover, they were supposed to eat unleavened bread for seven days. Now let's 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 look at the instruction properly. So if they said if if it was said that okay for this period, you know, for the period of the Passover, you're supposed to eat unleavened bread for a period of seven days, meaning that after that seven days, you are free to eat whatever you like, however you like to make your bread, you can make it and eat it. But for the period of the Passover, the bread you eat during the Passover and seven days after, which was actually also called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. You know, you are supposed to eat unleavened bread. Also, one worthy thing to note is in all of the sacrifices, you know, the bread that they were meant to offer was unleavened bread, unleavened cakes, unleavened wafers. It's just one, the sacrifice of thanksgiving that they were allowed to offer um, leavened bread, but for every other meat offering, as the Bible calls it, and for other translations, we call it that maybe pastry offerings or um, bread offerings, you know, but KJV calls it meat offerings. For every meat offering, you know, it had to be unleavened, you know, and that's what, and because of, um, was also what the priest would eat. So the priest majorly ate unleavened bread. Now, what, what, what it, you know, connotes to us? First thing I'll mention, and of course, this is open to interpretation because when you read through the, the, the Old Testament, you know, the reason for the instruction in itself was not given, not something as direct as um, when the Bible says, do not eat blood. The Bible goes for that to say, for the life of the animal is in the blood. That is why you should not eat blood. You know, it gives a specific reason. But unleavened bread just comes as an instruction. Do not use unleavened bread, you know. Um, do, I'm sorry, do not use leaven in God's sacrifices, in sacrifices to God, and do not eat leaven on those particular feast days. So when we when when we when we um, see such instruction, we we interpret it just the way we interpret the whole body of the law. And um, from Hebrews chapter 10, we see that the law is a pointer to Christ. The law in its entirety is a pointer to Christ. You know? But when we now look further and you know, subsequently we'll look at how it was used in the, in the books of the New Testament you know, and furthermore in the epistles. You know, just from the definitions that we have seen, you know, we can see that leaven kind of um, connotes two major things. You know, the action of the yeast, you know, the way it spreads in the bread. And the second thing is it is a kind of impurity, you know, to the bread. It is a kind of, now I choose my words carefully, in quotes, a kind of impurity because of the very definition 
of the Hebrew word, you know, that is used to connote um, um, unleavened bread. You know, it's like as if you are bringing something to pollute the sweetness, you know, of the bread when you use yeast or leaven as it is. Now, when we move um, into the New Testament, and that is that is how um, I pick my interpretations from scripture. I look at um, the root word, you know, because we we know, I think we, we sing this nowadays that the Bible was not written in English. So we look at the root word in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word, and in the New Testament, the Greek word. When we see the, the root word, we try to understand it, how it was understood when it was written. Then more importantly, we use scripture to interpret scripture. You know, what was said about the matter across across scripture. So majorly across the Old Testament, it was about the law and the instructions, you know, the particular laws of the, the Passover and um, not, 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 not sacrificing or not, you know, burning 11 bread on the altar. So that's what we see majorly, you know, across the Old Testament. But when we read the New Testament books, we see how Jesus interprets, you know, 11. And the first, you know, mention of 11, you know, in the, in the in the New Testament, you know, was in Matthew um, chapter thirteen, verse thirty-three, and um, in that in that portion of Scripture, Jesus Christ was describing the kingdom of heaven. You know, again, I'll just say it here that we are looking at how you know this old teaching, you know, or this old, um, will I call it um, this old. Um, unleavened bread issue in scripture, how it applies to us and how it affects us. So in Matthew chapter 13, verse 32, Jesus was describing the kingdom of heaven and he describes it as a woman that takes some leaven and puts it in meal, you know, which is like dough, right? And the whole lump was leavened. No, so when you put yeast, you know, in the dough, it multiplies and spreads because it is alive. <laughs> yeah, so it multiplies and spreads. And that is one way to describe the kingdom. If you understand that the action of yeast on the then you understand what Jesus Christ was saying that, you know, when you have believers in a place, you know, the, the natural thing or the ideal thing is for believers to multiply, you know, and spread throughout you know, that entire region. And it was it was so for the apostles, you know, Jesus Christ, like I said, Jesus Christ put it into like let's let's look at the apostles as yeast, you know, and Jesus Christ just put that little yeast, you know, in a place and see how it has spread all over the world. Really, that is the action of yeast in dough, you know. So Jesus Christ uses it, you know, as an expression. You know, furthermore, we see in Matthew chapter um, 16 from verses 6 to 12, you know, Jesus Christ, you know, talking to his disciples when he says that um, they should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. They should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And um, ignorantly, the disciples thought that he was talking about bread. You cannot blame them because he mentioned leaven. But Jesus Christ goes on to scold them, you know, that he wasn't talking about bread, but he was talking about the doctrine of the Pharisees. He was talking about the doctrine of the Pharisees. You know, so again, is the same action 
Like if you do not beware of the doctrine of the Pharisees, if you allow it to enter into you, the same way yeast multiplies in bread and you know, kind of like spreads throughout, causing it to swell, that's the same thing that will happen to you. Like that doctrine, you know, would spread, you know, in you. So you must beware. You must not allow it even like come into you. You must be aware of it. And um, in Luke chapter twenty-one, the same account, Luke's Luke's account of that same of that same story. You know, um, Jesus Christ calls the eleven of the Pharisees. I was telling um, the disciples to beware of. He calls it hypocrisy. He calls it hypocrisy. And, and what, what is hypocrisy really? Hypocrisy is acting, right? Acting out something that you're not or showing, showing to be something that you really are not. And in my mind, in my mind, when you look at bread that, that has, that has um, been leavened, it is actually not in reality as big as it looks because it is filled with air pockets, you know. <laughs> so this is just my just just something that that, that that played in my mind as I as I read it, you know. That that bread is really hypocritical, you know, to 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 to, to just just look at it in that sense because without the yeast, it would be much smaller and much compact. But with the yeast. It, it portrays itself to be something that it really it, it, it is not and it is filled with with holes you know and that's that's what you know hypocrisy can can be in in some sense so Jesus says to beware he uses leaven to 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 signify the effect of a, a teaching can have in someone and also to to um, describe hypocrisy now um in the epistles we see, we see the use of leaven um, again, you know, and this time by the Apostle Paul. And he was um, correcting something that happened, you know, in the in the Corinthian church, you know, a man, you know, a, a man that, that, that was having his father's wife, you know, fornication. And he was scolding them that they did not react to it. They did not, um, like, castigate him or stop him or separate themselves from him that they should beware because a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. You know, a little leaven. So it is much in the same way Jesus Christ used, you know, that analogy that Paul uses it. You know, when you put a little leaven, a little yeast, you know, in the bread, it would multiply and spread throughout the bread. So also it was, it was trying to tell the Corinthian church, you know, that if you, allow this man or this act of fornication remain within you it will spread you know throughout the church so when you see something again it also reminds us of the connotation you know from the from the very beginning of the word you know unleavened bread like as if it's a sort of impurity you know, in the bread as itself, because it amps the natural sweetness of the bread. You know, when you introduce sin within a community of believers and that sin is overlooked, not dealt with, everybody knows that this person is committing this sin and everybody's just, in quotes, okay with it, it will spread, you know, a little leaven. You don't need much because it's, yeast is alive and it will consume the sugar in the in the dough 
and spread. So a little, a little leaven will leaven the whole lump. Again, um, we see we see it, you know, as impurity or as sin. In Galatians chapter five, verse nine, um, we see the same the same expression, you know, used by Paul. That what a little leaven leaveneth um the whole lump you know so again it could be used for good or for bad but we just keep in mind the action of the yeast you know within the bread so that's that's what we really can you know derive from the teaching you know that if god demands that um the children of israel you know have the feast of unleavened bread it's, it's kind of, it's, it's, it portrays some level of purity you know, if God demands that um, only unleavened bread should be, you know, burnt on the altar, you know, for sin, then it demands some level of purity. Bread that has not been contaminated with anything, you know, anything that fl- fluffs it up, you know, unnaturally or anything that changes, you know, the natural sweetness of the bread, you know, or makes it, you know, sour, right? So that's that's what we can learn you know and again many of the sacrifices of the of the old old covenant points to jesus how that jesus is and and this one will be like how that jesus is without impurity without any leaven without any anything that 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 um that um uh, makes sour without anything that makes that, that rises unnaturally without anything that takes away from the natural sweetness, you know, that Jesus is pure, like holy pure, like is completely pure, no additive, you know, whatsoever. And again, we can now learn from that as Christians, just as Jesus was, that's how, you know, we should also be. And again, you know, by the, by the sacrifice of Jesus, you know, we are just as he is. And, you know, the, the important thing for Christians now is to, realize you know that we are unleavened right and act as such so there is a way that we ought to behave you know the way that we already are you know the bible says in um um, second corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 you know for it was made sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of god in him so anyone that that receives the gospel you know for every believer we are made the righteousness of god in him you know, that God's righteousness, we now need to live as such, you know, be wearing of leaven, of impurities. We will not allow impurities coming to us because when we allow it, you know, it will spread. As a body of believers, we will not allow impurities coming to us. No, it doesn't mean that, it doesn't mean that, oh, we'll not reach out to sinners. No, no, no. It means we'll not condone wrong acts not that we'll not reach out that we'll not condone wrong i will address you know those actions so personally in our lives you know when when we see that um we are falling into sin right that's that's leaven that's impurity we address it we do not allow it spread within us and as a body of believers in church when we notice that a brother you know paul says something that if anyone that is called a brother does all of these things you know he mentioned a couple of things he says you should not even eat with the person that's how strict you know it should be he says for people that are outside i have a commandment you know for them but 
for those that are inside because it can be very dangerous you know when we see a brother one that is known as a brother you know committing sin and the whole church just overlooks it or condones it then it will spread within the church so um with there might be many other things you know one can learn but i'll just you know limit it to just just this you know not to take too much of our time you know and um just as scripture as as put it forth you know that's just how you know i have also said it and i hope that um you have learned you know one or two things from all that we've gone through you know briefly yes yes uh that's that's been very satisfying to just um listen to you break down how this concept relates to our life as christians and how we can see the correspondence again in the new testament so it's not just about an old testament which was a lot of people always just tend towards oh this is an old testament um, instruction but it also has been mentioned in few times in the in the new testament and how this is related to our life as christians and as a and as the body of christ and how we 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 need to by all means do away with this kind of life in order not to spread and um but i had some follow-up questions which i'm going to ask now and because you 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 mentioned some things um you said that yeast like when you're talking about you that he doesn't need to put much before he spreads that he just needs to put a little and you used an instance where the apostles where jesus christ just um put a little of them and we can see the impact and how they spread across the world. And also, yeah. if we're looking at yeast in the context of what we have been discussing um, for a while now, it's the fact that yeast spreads. And so in this sense, in how the instruction came, it looks like yeast can only connote as sin. But in this new description, I wanted to ask that. So is it possible to say that there is good yeast and bad yeast in the body of Christ that there is a certain level of influence we need to have whereby we we accommodate the world and we go out there and spread. And because one of the few things we always discuss as Christian and young people is that there's not enough of us going out into different spaces to hold on to this thing and let people know that there's a light in me that shines through me. And the light is not on me, but the light shines through me. The question I'm just asking some is that, is there good yeast? That is there a yeast that we should... We should hold on to as Christians and say, oh, as Christians, we should go out there, occupy, and just share the gospels as many people, just, just double, multiply, or can it only connote sin? Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for the question. You know, it really clarifies, you know, some of the things I said earlier. In fact, um, the very first, you know, um, use of, of, of yeast, you know, in the New Testament, you know, by Jesus was to connote something good, the kingdom of heaven, you know, is like, you know, is the way it will spread. And again, that's where the example of the apostles, you know, came from. Now, what we should look at is the action of yeast, you know, in itself, in itself, just in itself, we can say that the action is a neutral action. It will spread, right? It will spread. So what is spreading is now what we must be careful of. You know, but we should understand that the action of yeast is that it spreads. You know, so it's not just in the in the in the um, issue of sin, right? But also good things, you know, can spread too. You know, 
with emphasis on the on, on, on the kingdom of God, you know, and of course the spreading of the gospel, it is very, very much like the action of of yeast. And um I really love the way I really love the way um you you emphasize how that um there are not you know many of us you know out there doing uh in quotes now the Lord's work or out there you know shining the light you know one interesting thing you know I found out you know about about yeast you know something something I'd I'd seen my my mom do you know when when she was baking and it's something I also you know read recently as I was preparing for for this discussion is that there there is a kind of yeast you know it is packaged but before you use it you need to activate it you know just on its own it is kind of like inactive dormant you know someone used the expression like it is sleeping now to to activate it you know for it to work you know for it to do the 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 spreading and the swelling that you need it to do in the bread you need to activate it first if you put it in the bread like that it will just be like that the way it is nothing no no reaction to just be just the way it is but you see how do they activate it you, you activate it by putting it in warm water and and adding a little sugar you know add put you put in warm water then add a little sugar that's how you know it, it is activated or it is woken up then it is now ready you know to spread within the bread i, I feel that there are a lot of believers that are just like unactivated um yeast you know we have the capacity you know to spread but we have not been activated and um i I feel that you know just just the way i could just use the analogy of actually how you actually activate yeast in real life warm water it could be like the right atmosphere a charged atmosphere you know fellowshipping with other believers and sugar feeding on something you know that's what the yeast does it feeds on the sugar you know, to be activated. So that's like feeding on the word of God. So, you know, being in the in the right company, you know, in the right atmosphere, praying, fellowshipping with other believers and feeding on the word of God activates you and, you, and it puts you in a position that wherever you are, you can now multiply, you know. So very much so, yes, I totally agree with you. It's not just in the area of sin, but also in the area of the spread of the gospel, believers should be out there, you know, multiplying just like the apostles, you know, spreading throughout the whole lump, you know. And again, many believers, you know, need that activation. And, and it's not something that you have to go far and wide, search anywhere for. It's just have the right company. It is very important. The right company, the right atmosphere. You know, um, the the if you put the yeast in cold water, you know, funny enough, it will not be activated. If you put the yeast in cold, it has to be in warm water. You get the right company, the right, you know, atmosphere, and you feed on the word of God. Because really, that's that's what preaching of the gospel, that's what shining your light will be. It's not you're not shining any other light but God's light, and you find out out from his word, you know. So that's we believers can go forth, you know, spread the gospel, you know, multiply, you know, multiply within the earth, spread throughout the whole lump wherever they are yeah yeah um that's that's really um that's really something like you know i i was speaking to the resident pastor of my church um i think two saturdays ago and 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 i've always had the sense so i'm, I'm part of the excos for the singles group in my church and i was blessed to have 
this conversation with him. And I was because it was he kept on asking the president that day that why um why are we not doing as much as we can? I always have this burning desire and always and I always relate to the president and some of the other people in the leadership in the US because I always say to them that like I, I know we can do more. Yeah, and I'm leading this into a question because I, I like the idea of when you mentioned that we're supposed to multiply and yeast needs a particular environment for it to be able to thrive. So, and we kind of compare that to our Christian life. So people are just dumb and they, they, they know the faith, they understand the faith. They're trying to live a faith-based life, but they're not multiplying. And I was saying to them, I was saying to them that, I, I know that as a ministry, there's so much we can do. Like, I feel it. I feel it deep in my heart. Like, I feel the extensions we can be stretched to. But it just feels like it cannot just happen. It just feels like there is a... And I'm using the example because this is a church example now. It's a um, it's a church example, a believer's example. So it's not like I see we're in the bad place. So I, I'm not taking the extreme. But it just feels like there is a... It's just not happening. And it's not because of sin or it just feels like we all need to get to a point in our life whereby we now, I don't know, it's hard to explain why it's not happening. And so I wanted to ask you that there are some people that want to actually do work for God. It's not like I see the the, flower, the yeast might be dormant, but like maybe once in a while, a little splash of hot water touches it and you, and you know, it does that bubble thing. Yeah. And it does that bubble thing and it just, but it doesn't rise. It doesn't come up and they get a lot of that splashes here and there, but there's just something that is blocking it, that there's no, it's hard to explain. There's no way to express it. There's no way to go and multiply. There's no way to, that, that, that enabling environment is not, it's not there. How can we help these people navigate these this things in their life? Because there's so, there's so many young people now and, I don't have the data, but like that they want to express themselves for God. And in that way, multiply people for salvation, bring people close to Christ. But it just feels like with the current structures we might have as believers, there might be a limitation as to how their expressiveness can go. And but they get splashes of hot water. They, they can see the potential these things can bring to them. But there's no long lasting availability of the warm water to make them rise. How can we, like, are there examples in the Bible? Are there people that, are there methods that have been studied in the Bible that can help people navigate these areas of their life and just decide that, oh, they are going to maybe create their own environment, which is my, I don't know, but just do something about it. Uh, wow. Uh, are there, are there um, instances in scriptures? Yes, yes. But you know, the, 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 the very first one that came to mind, funny as funny as it as, as it may sound, was the after Jesus, after Jesus, you know, ascended into heaven and gave the instruction that go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Acts chapter Acts chapter two, the Holy Ghost came down, you know, and he preached. Right, three thousand souls were saved, you know. Acts chapter 3, um, Peter and John healed the man at the beautiful gate, you know, and subsequently um, 5,000 souls were saved. And they were like that growing in Jerusalem. But by Acts chapter 7, when persecution came <laughs> and the disciples were scattered all abroad as far as Samaria and Syria, 
the word of God began to go in those regions too. And from then on, it spread all over the world. You know, that in a sense was some kind of activation, you know, for them to spread all over the world. But we hope that that, that doesn't have to be the case, you know, for us now. But the truth of the matter is, it has happened across time. When we look through history, we've seen that persecution has actually sometimes, you know, aided the spread of the gospel. And people in areas where where uh, persecution is ongoing seem to be like the most on fire for God. You know, you know, Christians in 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 um say China, for example, you know, when you see videos coming out of those regions, you know, how seriously they are taking the word of God, how seriously that they take these activities, you know, it is very, very inspiring. So we see the effect of, you know, persecution. But beyond that, what 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 can we do really? When 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 you see someone of a like mind, you know, you can pair up with that person. It increases, it increases what both of you are feeling. Again, you know, just the way just the way Barnabas saw Paul and it took him to himself, you know, I, I, I believe he could recognize the fire and the zeal in, uh, in Paul, which resonated with what he was feeling. And, you know, they went and did mighty things, you know, Priscilla and Aquila could um, recognize the zeal in Apollo when they saw him, even though he knew just up until the baptism of John, but what he knew, he knew very well, and he was preaching properly. They saw that they exp- because they identified, they brought him together, and they brought him onto himself, and subsequently we see Paul referring to Apollo that I would have sent Apollo to you to establish you in the faith, but he will come when he shall have convenient time, you know, because they recognized that fire in him. So when people of like minds, when we see believers of like mind, we band together. That. And we can now see as as you band together, as we become more, we can now bring people that even are not so 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 on fire as we think. But it's fundamental. It's it's more difficult to want to do things like on your own. You know that's what I've come to realize. It is much easier to go out for evangelism, for example, with somebody. If you're in the office, you know, for example, and there is another believer that you know is open about his faith that I'm also believer. You guys are more encouraged, you know, to stand for for your faith in the office as opposed to when you are alone. So within a church setting, even though the general atmosphere might seem a little cold or down, and and that's a result of the things maybe that we constantly hear, even in that general atmosphere where where things are somehow down, you identify somebody even if it's just one person for a start, that you can see sparks, you know, you can see that foaming in that person, come together, join your own foaming with the person's own foaming. It will increase a little, right? See another person, add again, it will increase a little. And just like that, like that, like that, it can spread throughout the, the whole, you know, maybe church, or fellowship, you know, but going about it alone would be a lot more difficult. Then ultimately, ultimately, I think as a body, as a, as a body of Christ, maybe a body of a fellowship or anything, we should give more time to prayer and and the study of God's word. You know, that 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 really helps. You know, since we are all believers, we all have the Holy Spirit. You know, when we pray, you know, when we pray, when we study God's word, when we see these things that that have happened in Scripture, it it also it resonates within us, you know, when we see the miracles that were done in scripture, 
as we pray, when we see the way men gave themselves, you know, for this gospel, and we are praying also, the Holy Spirit that is in us, you know, activates us, you know. So those those are the things, you know, that I feel, you know, can be done that that would help help us all. Yeah, yeah, and um, I think the last part is really very very important because. It's like the Holy Spirit is our, like is our everything, our advocate, our mediator, our educator, exactly. like everything. And it's like a small things I have done. I, I I know that there's no way I could have done them without the help of the Holy Spirit. And I'll use an example of those podcasts. And when I started this podcast, I I had an episode I recorded with someone. I said to them that maybe like four years ago, I had done all the designs for starting a podcast, but like it never came into life. It's just blah. But at the time, the Holy Spirit, I was ready for the Holy Spirit to help me in doing this. And I always say this, like, when, when you give yourself to the work of God, it's not easy work. It's not like it's going to be, it's hard work, but it's also easy work in that sense, in that you don't feel, um, you don't feel burdened. And it now makes sense when the verse that says, my, look, my yoke is light and my, and my burden is easy. It makes sense because... It did not say that you are not still carrying a burden. The burden line is still there, but it's easy. So there's still a burden. So it's still hard work. There's still a level of detail that needs to get into the work for it to be good. But you are, you are, you've already received help because you've gotten help from the person that gave you the work. And I, I, and I, and I agree with that point so much because, uh, which is why I, I'm grateful to God for some of the things that he has helped me do in the past, because just realize that, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I'm spending time with him, you would be able to, which is why I was I was strongly leaning towards creating your own hot water, to forming your own warm water and bringing people. And that's when the Holy Spirit will tell you that I have comforted you so you can go and comfort others. And so by the time you know that you had gone through this deep process of finding an area in your life where you, you wanted to do this, but you couldn't find people, but you had to create something, you would definitely want to help people not go through their experience. And which is why our faith needs to be shared as testimonies. Tell people that this thing happened this way, but it doesn't have to be like that for you. And I think that's very key. But I wanted to take a flip into the negative sides of yeast and in this context of sin. And because when we started the conversation, you were saying something around the, the fact of when Paul said that if there's a brother or a sister in the body that is contaminated, that is sin. That is yeast, which we should, we should not have food with them. As Nifemi, I have problems or a personal problem with cancel, cancel people. And I know that that's not what that what, that's not what I think exactly says, but some people might read it that way and feel like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If brother Mola sins, we're we're not we're not speaking to him again in church, we'll literally just embarrass him. Because we all, it's like freely we receive, freely we have to give. So this salvation we get, like, none of us can say it's the act that we are doing. It's the building of the spiritual, the religious things that is helping us stay saved. No, it's by faith. And so the question I wanted to ask is, where is the bloodline in whereby we are helping a brother or a sister get back on track to say, yeah, within our folds and we can see the things that is wrong with you. But... We want to help you. And let's go back to your example, your description of the yeast. If we have someone that is slowly going dormant and we go and put them into cold water, we chase them out directly into cold water, they will literally spoil you. 
no, <laughs> there's no benefit for them again. But if they still have that environment whereby the water is splashing on them, there is a chance that they might actually now walk in completely and then they begin to rise. So the question is, what's the bloodline? What's the thin line whereby we don't have breakfast with these people that have that have yeast and want to contaminate the body? Or we extend grace to them and try to bring them back to see the beauty of Jesus Christ? Great, great question. <laughs> great question. But before, before I answer that question, I just want to touch briefly on, you know, something you said before you move to the question, you know, how that we need to share our testimonies. You know, I feel that, I, I feel, I, I strongly feel that Christian, for some reason, don't like to talk about, you know, their day-to-day Christian experiences. You know, you see people post about the songs like, like, maybe um, musicians, uh, movies they watch, or places they go to, you know, just normal day-to-day life, but they kind of like cut out the Christian experiences. You don't, you don't necessarily see people talking about how they pray or how they study their Bible or maybe how they fast and everything. And I, and I believe my, my, my thought because is that uh, maybe why I don't even do it also is like, oh, let them not think that someone is bragging or someone is showing off and all of that. But when you talk about how much time you spend watching a movie, nobody sees it as you are bragging. It's just normal. Maybe you spend four hours watching a movie. But why is it now different when you say you spend four hours listening to listening to a message? Or you, you know, you, you know, <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. Like that thing, apart from even the fact that for me now, apart from even the fact that I, I honestly don't care what people think, to be fair, but there's also a burning in my heart that's okay, are you doing legalism? Is this pride? Is this one? Is it this one? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, am I going to sin? So I usually just battle with that thoughts completely that, okay, if I can't tell people that oh, I fasted for four days now and I'm a fire for God, like, oh, is this legalism? Is this pride? Freely you have received, freely you need to give, extend grace. So I, I battle with those thoughts in my mind to the point whereby I was like, I'm not going to post this thing again. So you are right on this side of that. We don't want people to think that, uh, okay. And also, I'm, I'm battling with my faith that, okay, are you, are you, what's the, what's the intention to this thing? Is this pride and all of that? So, yeah, I feel you. Sorry, you can go ahead. Yeah, I feel that. I feel, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not saying it as, 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 a, as a rule or anything, but I feel that we should be more expressive about our faith. It's something that I would like to work on. And maybe just close my eyes to those exact same thoughts that you have described, because that, that's what goes through my mind too. And just post, because I feel that somehow it encourages people. You know, when you see normal life, someone posts that he watched a movie and it was very interesting another person will watch that movie because of that post. And, and, and that's how, you know, these things spread. That's how um, movies become popular, musicians become popular, because someone listened, gave a good review or good feedback about it. It's not make another person, you know, listen to it. I feel that if we share some of these, some, sometimes it, look, it might seem little to us, but it, is, it will be a big encouragement to someone. It shows that, oh, this thing is possible. You know, um, in, my, in, my, in my Christian journey, I've met some people that sincerely, totally, and honestly believe that it is impossible to fast for three days, that it is a lie, that it cannot be done, that anybody that does it will die. They are not joking. They are not, they, 
sincerely believe that. But when they see someone that they know that has done it, maybe once, twice, or more, that automatically changes their belief from impossible to at least it is possible. I might not be able to do it here too, but it is possible. So I believe that somehow, you know, sharing our, you know, Christian experiences, you know, really helps. It helps to maybe ginger some other Christians and it might even help some unbelievers to see that, oh, okay, these guys are really, really um, serious about their faith so that's just, that was just a thought you know that came you know to my mind you know when when you mentioned that and i pray god will help us always to direct us you know how we should go now to your question about um a brother now for for more clarity about paul's instruction you know a, a person that calls himself a brother that is unrepentantly living in open scene so there is a difference between you know someone that falls into sin is not happy about it and wants to change that as to someone that is living in sin right and like kind of like boasts about it like you're, you're doing wrong things and you're allowed in it putting on your status and and stuff like that you know there there, there is a difference now Paul's instruction, you know, whilst whilst not um, pushing the person too far, but the congregation must know that this behavior is unacceptable. Like we don't want to li- we don't want to lose this person, but the stakes are very very high here. You know, if we are, it's a delicate, it's a very very delicate matter. Like very very delicate. Sometimes it, it, it could be like amputating a leg so that um, the disease will not spread throughout the the, the body and, and kill the, the entire body. Sometimes that's how it looks. It is as delicate as that. We don't want to lose this person, yes. But we are careful that um, people do not see this and normalize it, right? They'll be saying it's bad, it's bad, but someone is doing it now. Like, and it just becomes normal because of interactions with the person. Now, not eating with the person is not strict or just limited to food. It's about managing interactions with the person, right? If I, if I go to someone that is like now living in open sea, maybe fornication or something, I'm interacting with the person, I'm going to the person, that person is coming to my house. I could go to the person's house one day and the person has organized a babe for me too, right? So that when I'm, in his house, I'll be more likely to fall for the temptation. Yes. So managing interactions with, with such a person. Now, if you look at that particular incident that Paul was um, referring to, you know, how that, you know, we, we, we saw the result in um, Second Corinthians, how that the church as, as a whole, you know, heeded his instruction and really cut the person off. But Paul instructs that, Yes, the person has learned his lesson and the person should be accepted back into the fold. And why is, why is this important to note that, see, we are all believers. Oh. As the, the person that is sinning, the person that is not sinning, oh, we are all believers and we all have the Holy Spirit. You know, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will be in us forever. There are some things that a Christian that has the Holy Spirit will react to, right? And I don't, I do not for once, you know, doubt the power of the Holy Ghost, you know, to even convict. So when, when we, when we uh, tell a believer that what you're doing is wrong, 
you cannot join us for this. You come to church, but maybe like special special committees and everything, you cannot be a part of this because of this thing that you are doing. Any believer that has the Holy Spirit, you know, will begin to think about it. We'll begin to think about it. The person is still definitely allowed in church and all of that, but we are managing interactions. If I'm interacting with you, I am interacting with you on the basis of we are believers and this thing you are doing is wrong. I'm not going to like interact with you the way I used to before you started doing this thing that you are doing. Because me too, I'm careful of my own self. Nobody, see, nobody's immune to falling. I don't believe any one person, everyone must keep on being on their guard, you know. So I'm careful for myself. I'm careful for other believers out there. And I really want you to stop doing what you're doing. So I'm not going to push away completely. We're not going to say don't come to church or we're not going to stop calling you and all of that. But we are going to manage interaction. Eating with a person is, is it, it goes beyond the activity of eating. It just shows that it is a cordial relationship, like a really, really cordial relationship to the extent of eating together. Yeah, so Paul is saying that remove that. You cannot be cordial with this person while the person is in this thing because the truth of the matter is you're exposing yourself and the person will most likely continue. So we want to, in fact, in um, I think um, the Titus now or, or, or Thessalonians that Paul instructs that if someone is entangled in this thing, the person should be rebuked openly like the person should be rebuked openly so that others may hear and fear you know Paul was really particular about these things because of the the way the way these things can graduate and from little experiences we see these things you know happen you know how that someone is involved in something again I'm 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 putting the emphasis on the person is flagrant and unrepentant about it yeah, it's not like something someone is struggling with. You know, there is a different attitude to it. The person is just doing it. I don't care. Like I'm just, I'm just living my life. I'll do the one I can do, the one I cannot do. God will help me. That kind of attitude. Also, someone that is like, ah, comes to you like, oh, this is what I'm going through, and please, I need help, counsel, and all that. Those are two different scenarios. The first scenario, which is the one Paul was referring to is the one that we need to manage the relationship, you know, with the person, looking out for the entire church, right? So that the the, the disease is just like all these um, zombie movies that if the zombie bites the hand, like you're cut off the hand before the, um, the, 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 the thing will not spread around the whole body and the person will not become a zombie, you know, himself. No, but that's not the case. We're not cutting off anybody, but we need to just manage the relationship, you know, so that it doesn't spread within the church and so that the person can realize that the person has done something wrong. And if the Holy Spirit is in the person, as the Holy Spirit is in every believer, that person will change. And that was the testimony, you know, for the person in the Corinthian church. The person actually, you know, repented of that, you know, sin. Okay, uh, that's 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 right. And um, one funny story came to my head while you were talking about um our acceptance of our how we condone sin. You remember? I can't remember. Remember the Israelites when they started getting intimate with the Midianite women? Am I yeah. wrong? Is that yes, God was so yes, hungry and and He said He was going to kill all of them? He started killing them. Then there was this guy that blatantly just came out, and the Bible recorded that he was proud. He was showing I off the sin. Exactly. 
and this guy just stabbed him and killed him. And Did God said die? that, yeah, and God said that because of you, it's like you show me how much you cannot condone sin, and I'm not going to punish the rest of the people again because, like, he knows that there's someone there that this this particular act is is not good in his eyes. He doesn't like it, and and that's a very valid point. Like that's where just came to mind. I thought to share, and I think that I think that we use grace as an excuse a lot of time to condone something that we should call out. Honestly, honestly. We, we, when I see people, when I see people insult some men of God on social media, I'm like, this is not a good thing we should accept. Like, it's not, if, if you look at, and we, we, we thank God for grace that we have through Jesus Christ now, but if you look at the time of Moses, when Aaron and Miriam were close to Moses, like, it's not some of us that were living in the back of our house here. Aaron and Miriam were, they were in time, if I'm looking at, I know there's no hierarchy in the things of the spirit, but if I'm looking at hierarchy in that time, they were like second and third. But the moment yeah. they spoke against Moses, God, God literally struck them. And God has set as an example. Straight away, there was not even any argument. When Torah, is it Torah, I can't remember the guy, is it Torah or someone, the guy that brought Ami and said, you can't be the only one that is anointed. And, Korah, Korah. <laughs> Korah, yes. And God asked him, God, like he didn't die in natural death. The ground followed him and fire burnt him at the same time. And yeah. it's an example of how much God doesn't tolerate sin. But we have grace now. And we know that we are all, Jesus Christ died for each one of us. It's like, there's no body that Jesus Christ did not die for. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't, we should not condone every bad habit, every bad thing. We shouldn't, we shouldn't call it out. And, and, and that's the thing. I was in the conversation two weeks ago and um, was about dressing. I'm like, we need to call it out. Don't, it was like we should ban the person from coming to church. I'm like, I am not a big fan of banning because I am here by grace. But I will call it out. And I will say, I'm sorry, you can't do this like because of this, 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 and this. As, as the body of Christ, we need to be able to protect the vessel. We need to be able to protect the body of Christ. Like There's so many things that people just throw at the church now and we just cover it up with grace. And I'm grateful for that. But I'm still protecting the verses on that we can't, we can't fight God's battle for him. Even Peter right. tried and he, and he said that, don't you know that I have a army of soldiers behind me and if I need to fight my battles, I would fight my battles. So we can't yeah. fight God's battles for him. It's not our calling, but we need to protect the body. It's not only about the words people use. It's also about how we spend our resources to protect the body. And I always use this example. Um, it's Joseph or Arimathea. Remember after Jesus Christ died on the cross, there was nobody yeah. to take his body. Peter was there. John was standing there. His mother was standing. Mary was standing. But none of them had money, influence, and this yeah. enough to take his body from the cross. But Joseph of Arimathea, that was the only time he was mentioned in the Bible. But he had money and he had influence and he loved Jesus Christ. He loved God. So he went to Pilate, picked up the body and buried him appropriately. Now, what he did might seem insignificant to so many of us because it just feels like he paid for it. But imagine if nobody could afford to take him from the, cro from the cross and there was a raven or an eagle or a bird that shit on Jesus' head or uh, that ate the dead body. The story of resurrection that we all talk about today might not be the case. That and be yeah. And so in protecting the body is like, we're using our influence. People will say, oh, I, I'm a Christian. I don't want to help my brother. Who else are you going to help? It's like, who else? 
The body is Christ is that so that no one else will suffer. That's why God called us a body, so that no one else else will suffer. And so if there's any way, aside from condoning, which is something we should begin to do in in very firm way, let people know where we stand. And I also said, I think the reason a lot of people don't condone is because your lifestyle doesn't match what you're saying. If my lifestyle matches someone doing something against me, I will speak up. But if I know that, and if you have the spirit of God in you and you know that it doesn't matter, the people say, you can't talk today because you are doing the same thing in the corner. And so aside from condoning, we also need to be able to protect the body and allow the gospel spread by using our influence and all the things that are provided to us. So in just wrapping up, I wanted to just um, ask you to just share your last thoughts and um, on the topic of general and um, before we just wrap this conversation up. Oh, okay, thank you. Um, I'll just share, you know, I'll just start from the last the last thing, you know, I think second to last thing said about, you know, protecting the body, um, using um, our influence, you know, and um, one, one, one story came to mind, you know, Daniel, you know, after, after he had revealed Nebuchadnezzar's dream to him and the interpretation, the Bible says in Daniel chapter two, you know, from f- verse 47, it says, the king answered unto Daniel and said, of a truth it is that your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets, seeing thou couldest reveal this secret. Then the king made Daniel a great man and gave him many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief of the governors over all the wise men of Babylon. Verse 49 says, Then Daniel requested of the king, and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. You know, if if that 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 is not using your influence to put fellow believers in court now in the right places, I, I don't know what that is. Yet that and it is very very important, very very important. And I think a lot of Christians overlook this, give different you know excuses. But the truth of the matter is. We need to protect the body. We need to look out for one another. The Bible says, do good to all men, especially those of the household of faith. You know, that is very, very important. So um, my final words would be that, um, you know, in looking through any matter of scripture, you know, one must, you know, give himself to putting in the effort. You know, a lot of times, we can easily, easily, easily take things out of context and run and interpret it, you know, the way we want. But, you know, with the help of the Holy Spirit, you know, a lot of times people say, uh, Holy Spirit, reveal unto me, Holy Spirit, reveal unto me. But they don't want to put in the effort into, into study or patiently going through or just like, just like, you know, we are doing this evening, discussing with other believers so that they can weigh the things that, you know, the revelations that they have. A lot of people just say, Holy Spirit, reveal to me, reveal to me. And honestly, it's their mind that you been into them because they've not studied enough and they just go out with interpreting scripture the way they want. You know, Paul, as full of revelation as he was, he was, it, it was, it was because he studied a lot, studied a lot. You know, when he first 
received the gospel, you know, he went to Arabia for three years, you know, and we believe, you know, just looking through scripture. That's why when he discussed it, he discussed it soundly, you know, bringing his teachings directly from the scripture, you know, not from his mind or from anywhere else. So just like we've, we've, we've done this evening, you know, we've picked a blurry aspect of scripture. You know, we've looked through scripture, you know, right down from Genesis, you know, through we looked into the New Testament also, you know. Um, I believe that for everyone that is listening, you know, let's apply ourselves to scripture, you know, let's read the scripture, let's meditate on the scripture, let's study the scripture, you know, that will now even help us to live accordingly and then to preach the word of God accurately. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. And um, I'm just going to also conclude with the last thing you said about we studying our Bible and just asking the Holy Spirit to to reveal to us or to fill us to fill us up with the things that we we need to do with things that we need to say you know like recently i had a definition between feel which is f-e-e-l and f-i-i-f-i-double-l not to i'm not going to go to the definition but one thing about spending time with the holy spirit by studying listening to people having conversations that would uplift your soul is that it fills you and it's the other one f-i-double-l-s completely okay. it's like when you leave a prayer meeting for example a worship and a prayer gathering i always tell you like you feel strong you feel like nothing can shake you you like after okay. you finish studying your bible and holy spirit has revealed certain things to you you know like there's this excitement that you want to go and share to the world because there's overflow yeah already and i always argue with people that i don't get the essence of what's praying prayers of holy spirit um, I'm, I'm just it's just a joke now you know when someone comes to preach on the church and they say filling back up because half of the time this person is preaching from the overflow sure it's not literally sure. it's sure. not giving you what is it's not it's, there's nothing that has left him there's nothing that has left him to be because honest. as he was walking they were already out you know it's like when jesus christ walked past any city that's why people could touch his garments and get healed because he has spent time you know like all this anime that you can see a circle of fire around somebody it's like that's what over (laughs) exactly that's what overflow feels like is that you are you are walking and you don't even need to you don't need to speak but when you even speak it's not from it's from the thing that people can already see it's from the overflow and so Spending time with the Holy Spirit fills up completely. And yeah. if we are going to take this topic in the way we've discussed it about, we're going to multiply and hold on positions and areas of our life whereby we share our faith, there's no other person that can help you, honestly, than the Holy Spirit. There's yeah. no other human being that can give you insights than the Holy Spirit. Because God, Bible says, I will take the things of the wise and to shame, I mean, the thing of the foolish to shame the wise. So someone might come to give you the best practice, but the Holy Spirit will give you the Holy Spirit practice. That does not make sense. And then you will get there, you obey the Holy Spirit, and you will see that this, this is divinely inspired insight. Because you cannot present that in a board meeting, they will fire you. Uh-huh. And so in order to spread 
you know, like when we talk about the gospel spread, we talk about it from the point of when the um, apostles gave um, them to give their life to Christ when the apostles manifested. Do you know what helped them? It's the Holy Spirit. They say the, the, the Spirit of God came upon them in that moment and they spread like wildfire. The Bible says when he was living again, he said, I am leaving you, but I'm dropping you. I'm not leaving you the way you are being you are left, you are used to being left. I'm leaving my spirit within you. And greater things than I have done, you will do. So if we look at all of these things that we have been yearning, Holy Spirit is there to help you do greater things. So even if you are dead, mm-hmm. I feel like you have a dormant yeast. Holy Spirit will roll it for you. See, the fire people will see. <laughs> You'll be wondering, ah, where has this thing been? We belong to a lot of journey. The Holy Spirit will shake it. It will steer it. it. Like, so I'm saying that if there's anything, even if you are looking at the yeast as a bad thing now, and you're saying that my life is insane, I am corrupting the people around me. So just listen to the yearnings of the Holy Spirit in your heart. It's like, just take a while, take a pause, and listen, your heart will break by the things that break the heart of the Lord. And so, just stop. Holy Spirit is the only one that can help you. There are so many things that we cannot do on our own. I mean, there are so many things that people stop and they are wondering how they stop. It's by just surrendering mm-hmm. Holy Spirit, now take over. And it will keep keeping you reminders about how this is not the life for you to live. So, to understand yeast properly in any way you want to take this thing from, Holy Spirit is key. And like we said at the beginning, it's not a thing of we plan to have a conversation. It's like we had like four other questions we didn't ask. Adamola knows. <laughs> but like there is a leading. And I always say that God has set everything into motion. We just walk into it. And so this particular episode has been set for someone. We're literally just walking into it. And if there's anything maybe God wants someone to hear today, is that you need the Holy Spirit. You need to activate it back and begin to, it's never left you. Just need to accept that in, you need him and you begin to see your life change. Both good and if you need it to, if you need to convert. So um, thank you so much, Tamala, for coming on the show. Um, thank you so much, Nicholas, for having me. It's a really, really wonderful time. It's been such a fantastic time having this conversation with you. And um, we need to start your Bible school where you start teaching some of these things. So I'm ready when you are. <laughs> we, we, we need to start your Bible school. So, so I'm, I am ready when you are. <laughs> yes, but it will teach a lot of us, but it will use you. Yes, yes, yes. But anyways, thank you so much, bro. I, I do appreciate your time um this evening and have a fantastic evening. Thank you. God bless you. And you too, brother. God bless you and God bless the work that you're doing. The, the, the Glory Lines Podcast. Thank you for joining us today on this podcast episode. We hope this has blessed you. Please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast players and share with as many people as possible. Thank you. God bless.